welcome to the podcast, guys. Today we're here with Anissa and Nina and Gabrielle, of course, and we are going to talk about Race at Kellogg. We're really excited to have you guys yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> How about you give us a little introduction and why this topic is important to you and why you want to talk about it? Yeah, welcome. Sure. So I grew up in San Francisco and <laughs> went to school at UCLA where I was really involved in an Asian American sorority, which if you didn't know was a thing, now you do. Um, and then spent time in New York in product management before coming to Kellogg. And for me, I wanted to be part of this conversation because I felt like in my time here, I've had so many conversations around race where we're dancing around the subject as opposed to confronting the issue head on. I think we're all here to grow individually, professionally, in such a pressure cooker environment. And I found it fascinating, the uh, racial dynamics I've observed here. I'm Nina. I grew up in eastern Washington state. Um, my parents are both from Ghana, so first generation American. And as you may guess, Eastern Washington State doesn't have too many people of color, so pretty non-diverse high school and middle school experience, and then college went to predominantly white college, and then um, after college was in New York for a while. Oftentimes, I was the only woman of color in the room for meetings, um, or even in the entire division of the company that I was working in. So uh, at Kellogg, um, I think the biggest thing that we've talked about this a little bit, the elephant in the room, there's just a level of uncomfortableness. I think people are afraid of being deemed as racist, so they just don't broach the topic of race at all. Uh, but I think there needs to be a space and, and a conversation about it because it ends up causing a lot of friction amongst, amongst groups that might not be intended, but ends up being felt. So why is it a topic that people don't feel comfortable with? What is that obstacle that people usually face when talking about race? Or not talking about it. And I guess also like on that, how much of it is discomfort to talk about it and how much of it is just literally not even thinking that there's an issue or not being exposed to it, not being aware of it? I think it's both. I think if you remember or coming to Kellogg, we all took this assessment and we showed the result um, during SIM. Forgot about that. Everyone thinks like, <laughs> We're this happy family. There's no issue to talk about. And talking to some of my friends who are non-white, they're like, no, there's definitely an issue that we are aware of coming in, that we are in this non-dominant group. And in America, we were raised to, from a young age, at preschool, be like, you don't see color. We're colorblind. Everyone is the same. And so if you grow up thinking that everyone is the same, as adults, the truth is we're not the same. And whether you're white or non-white, because we haven't been talking about it growing up, we're ill-equipped to navigate these types of conversations. So it makes complete sense why mm -hmm. we're uncomfortable doing something we've never done before. Yeah, and I think as like as women of color, there's two things that you kind of think about every single time that you're in a space. Or, and for me, it's always been race has been the way I identify first. I, I don't identify as a woman first. I identify as a person of color first. Mm -hmm. And then I think of myself as a woman. And so thinking about the business landscape and, and being in rooms often that are dominated by white men, there's even just like a level of discomfort in approaching someone to have a conversation or an automatic assumption that because we are so different in our appearance, ethnic background, that 
we probably don't have much overlap in value systems or interests. And so just even like taking that step to remove that bias and assumption can open up a space for conversations and a connection between people. But I think that first step isn't always made by people. It's funny you mentioned that because for me, this is my first time in my life that I have actually access and relationships with people of color. For me, that's, yeah. it's so new, so interesting in these backgrounds from all over the place. And I see, I actually get excited. There's so much new stuff for me there. And I see it as, a, as an opportunity to learn from that because it's so different from what I come from. So I, I see like, um, I don't know, I think an opportunity there where while well, you're very aware of it, uh, for me, it's also like, a, hmm, <laughs> I have so many questions. It's, yeah. so, it's so interesting to see there. I think that that, that like, was probably one of the most disappointing things that I felt about the first year was that, and I think it's honestly, it's just a missed opportunity. Like there are some people that have chosen to kind of not meet people that they wouldn't have interacted with outside of Kellogg. And that's fine, like, because everyone crafts their own business school journey. It's not my space to tell someone that you need to have this many people in your potpourri of friends. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not realistic, and it's not a genuine way to connect with people. But the thing that I always tend to have an issue with is, like, as we go out into the world as managers and leaders, if you aren't willing to make that first step or someone that might be your direct report that might not look like you or sound like you, they're inherently disadvantaged because they're not receiving the same level of openness that you might provide to someone that looks just like you. So, you know, you're talking about race and people not confronting it. And, you know, you you mentioned yourself as being both like women of color. When you're with other women of color, I'm guessing, and, and this isn't every conversation, but I'm guessing you've talked about race at some point. Who is it that isn't talking about race? I would say more the people that aren't talking about race are the people that haven't had lived experiences, whether that means like having grown up in an area that was incredibly diverse, like some of the people that came to Kellogg might be straight white men, but went to schools where white people were the minority at the school. So they have an inherent understanding of what it is to interact with people of different races, cultures, creeds, and they have an openness to do that again in the workplace and again in the business school landscape. But It's more so often people that maybe from their upbringing weren't necessarily exposed to a lot of people of color and then in college kind of continued that trend and then in the workplace whether you know they might be in a stereotypically white industry have kind of continued to have friend sets like that and then when you get to Kellogg is there really a motivation for you to try and meet a bunch of new people when you already know that you get along with XYZ um, type of people and you have for the last 28 30 years of your life and I'm going to characterize that as it depends on how familiar you are with the feeling of being other. So, and I think that's the lived experience that Nina touched on. Any room we step into, how many women are there? How many people of color are there? If you never have to like think about that, Mm -hmm. then you're just living in your own world where, oh, this is just not an issue. Yeah. I want to, I want to circle back to what you mentioned in terms of being seen as a representative of people that look like you and everything, single thing that you do is interpreted as not Nina's doing this, but Nina is doing this because because she is a woman who is a person of color. Have you guys had experiences like that at Kellogg? And if yes, like, was there an education moment or was it just like, what is so easy to do is just walk away and like not address it because it's tiring to be the educator when you're also the one that's being subject
subject to the false interpretation. Yeah, I think there's a huge there's a huge huge feeling that whatever you're doing, however you present yourself in the world, you are representing all people who look like you, so you better not fuck up. No. Around this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, right? Because you know, if you do something that is going to conform to these preconceived notions or stereotypes, you are doing harm. So you better be on your A plus behavior all the time, and that's tiring. Yeah, I I struggle with that a lot. I remember at last year for Ally Week when we were organizing, we're like, what is the mission of Ally Week? Is it to bring more people in and convince them that allyship is something that's necessary? Is it to equip the people that have already opted in to be allies? Is it our role to educate people? Should they already have information about this? And I think what we ended up landing on was it's good to educate, but at a certain point, having to hammer that home over and over again doesn't necessarily get you closer to your end goal of making it like an equitable environment at Kellogg. So I I still struggle with that, whether it's worth having to do those workshops and exercises. Like last year, there's a microaggression workshop that Rianne put on um, through WBA and like some of it just feels so obvious to me but again it's like meeting people where they are and and at least having some sort of empathy and understanding that they might not see what they're saying as a microaggression. I want to touch on, on one point also here at Kellogg. One of the things that um, coming from a less racially uh, diverse background, I've noticed here very strongly that people tend to make groups of friends with people that look alike like them and they don't really go out of the way to do it. I think we've touched on it on some point, but why does that happen? Or why why do we feel that much more comfortable with people that look like us? And why don't we go out of our ways sometimes to try to meet with other people that are not like us? Yeah, I feel like there's the two sides to it because I always hear people kind of argue, well, like BMA people are always hanging out together or AMA people or HMA people. And the difference there for me is that like we are all coming from a very shared background and experience and navigating Kellogg can be really difficult when across the two classes there are 60 black people at Kellogg approximately. Um, so it's a really it's a really small number. And so for me, that's kind of like an automatic community from day one. Like we're coming in with this understanding of, you know, we're going to be the minority here. And so it's nice to be able to, like, discuss the challenges that we're having in navigating a predominantly white space. On the flip side of it, I think it's the easier thing to do when you're not a person of color to automatically group with people that look like you because you actually might have to work a little bit harder or you assume you have to work a little bit harder to connect with a person that doesn't look like you it's really interesting on that point of like people grouping towards people that look like them i can't remember who it was it wasn't me it was some other was that kellogg the same point was brought up what you said like well bma people always hang out together why are they complaining about a lack of like a lack of that from our side And what he said was, when white Americans hanging out, you're never thinking, oh, look, it's the white Americans hanging out together. That's just the norm. That's white people. It's just people hanging out. But as soon as it's black people or brown people or Latin people, it's like black people are hanging out. Brown people are hanging out. It's not normal anymore because you don't look normal and you don't look in place. Like we don't have the luxury to talk to someone that looks like us without that being us talking to each other because we look the same. UCLA, an acronym is University of Caucasians Lost Among Asians. It's (laughs) Asian 
college, which for 25,000 undergrads, that's a lot. And being always surrounded by people who looked like me, acted like me, made the Asian part of me not the predominant part of me. I was able to just flourish and be my authentic self and really grow as a leader. So coming into Kellogg, I think that's what was so surprising that, hey, we are all had these professional experiences. Like, should we be more mature or at least have the self-awareness of what that looks like? And I think there's an issue with herd mentality as well, where you might have a great relationship individually with a person. When people congregate, all norms go out the window. People who are pleasant people suddenly become like bad actors mm-hmm. or maybe they are aware of the tension and how they may be excluding others but in a group setting they don't care it's not worth it to stir up the pot because they might not but get invited next time mm-hmm. and it's inherently risky to go out on a limb and be like there's a cost of actually yeah. like sticking out yeah. for yeah. x or y and the scary thing is like are you going to display that same behavior in the workplace mm-hmm. like if you see someone being treated in a disadvantage way like are you willing to throw yourself out there and defend them or just be complicit in happening and that's why the stakes here are so low right and so we don't exercise and practice these skills of what does it mean to be an ally and to try to stick your neck out for someone who wasn't even invited to this conversation how are you going to act in the workplace where it counts yeah i think it's a very easy prediction if we don't if we don't <laughs> yeah. risk it here yeah. you there's for sure you're not going to risk yeah. it in a high stakes environment where sticking it out might be going against the boss the white boss is talking about american football and, and you could you coming from latin football. america that american <laughs> football is not even a sport there (laughs) and we are like play along with it and it's like you're not gonna stick out for i think one of the things that i struggled with for the bma conference too is people thought they couldn't go if they weren't black which is just so confusing to me Um, there's so many revelations in because uh uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to go to a single kellogg event (laughs) if I had the same mentality Um, and like even though the speakers are all people of color they're speaking about their experiences as people of color yes but also their experiences as like product managers their experiences as innovators in the AI space etc and it's just like it's confusing to me that there is this hesitation I think more so than it being like oh well I wasn't sure if I could go it's more of a I don't know if I'd feel comfortable if I ended up being the only white person that went <laughs> right and like mm-hmm. I'll go if you go because then there'll be like two of us and I won't feel like uncomfortable when it's welcome like, to our world exactly yeah. it's like I felt that way my entire life and so it's again that like being able to like step outside of your comfort zone even when you think about being a woman in the workplace or a woman at Kellogg like there's this hesitation for men to join ally groups and I know at Kellogg there's ambassadors which is like a great effort and um, they're doing a lot of things to try and get men to be more accountable about including women in the workplace But the question is, like, after Kellogg, do people do that? You touched upon this, but we want to talk about Kellogg programming, DNI, diversity and inclusion, and around race. And there were a bunch of events at SIM. There have been a bunch of events since. There are affinity clubs. There's Dr. Pierce's class. Like, what are your thoughts on it? Does it, is it? paying lip service is it actually impactful do people care is it something that certain people think of as like a check the box where would you place that along the spectrum of actually being impactful to just like having it to have it having done pierce's class i think it was 
positive for me to see like so many diverse people in the class but the reality is like the only way that you get strong takeaways is by creating exercises and lectures that don't even really mention race and like remove that from the equation and people are one more willing to listen and then two when you layer the race factor back into it they're like now I get how this is actually playing out in reality yeah I took Dr. Pierce's class as well and I think the value in some of those exercises was the way it made you feel and the discussions we had. I love that, you know, there are so many opportunities at Kellogg to engage, but the I find it problematic that they're all opt-in. And, and I get that, you know, you don't want to force people to have a conversation they're not ready for, and you may be doing more harm than good. But I think there is a level of programming where we need the entire student body to be aware of it and confront it and have people naturally, like, bring up these conversations on their own. It's a, it's a Kellogg nice thing, too, as well, where, like, people are so afraid of bringing up a conflict. Instead of, like, addressing it, it just sits, festers, and the divisiveness continues, and time goes on, and it's no longer worth re-approaching the subject because it would just hash up old mm-hmm. feelings about it. How would you respond to people that say that they aren't comfortable to talk about race because of, like, hyper-PC culture? Because I've heard that a lot. Like, I'm sure all of us have, where it's like, I don't want to talk about this because I don't even know what word to use or whatever like stuff like that what are what are your thoughts on that i've definitely heard that as well where people have maybe been burned in the past or get gone a slap on the wrist for broaching these conversations there is a culturally sensitive way to do it like you shouldn't just come up to nina and assume that she has these lived experience that you've seen on tv or immediately start peppering her with questions about her past when what gives you the right to just come up to anyone and start asking these personal questions? I think it starts with building a relationship of trust where you are both sharing information um, as peers, walls. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a great point. But I think that for me, that's it. The, the genuine interest. If you show a genuine interest, maybe the way you're phrasing it, even if it's not your first language, English, because again, that's a big issue. The, the way we address race in Spanish is very different than the way we address it in English or in any other language. I think if you are genuinely showing interest, you approach a person in a respectful manner, that can come through as a positive thing and that you really want to learn. And I think that's where you we're all in this responsibility of educating one another if someone said something that just didn't uh, felt right with you, you you're also in your right to say hey thank you for your great intention this is how I would phrase it if uh, in, this, in this situation maybe understand why did you phrase it that way maybe they have a certain I don't know ideology or certain uh, background or certain context that they thought that was the right way of phrasing it I think it's a good responsibility for us to educate one another in, in that sense Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with the um, assuming positive intent. I think the other piece, and we touched on this earlier, like, I don't always feel like it's my responsibility to have to educate someone on something. Like, I remember, this is non-Kellogg, but someone telling me about a work experience where her, like, manager asked her, so Raven, like, what's going on with this Meek Mill case? Like, what's this all about? <laughs> She's like, literally don't listen to any rap music. Wow. Like, yeah. wow. Uh, and he could have just Googled it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was, like, his attempt to try to connect with her, but I think some of the questions or, like, inquisitiveness that people have could also be answered by, like, looking online and, like, what I share with you is my perspective alone. I'm not speaking for everyone 
anyone within my race and mm-hmm. like you know Black Legion met on Tuesday nights and this is our stance on Colin Powell like you know yeah. what I mean like mm-hmm. I think it's just it's a, it's a little ridiculous to like think that we have one unified front on a certain topic or one unified perspective on a certain topic so like taking that with a grain of salt and being like I just want to know what your perspective is on this topic or I went online and I read all these articles about it I found it super interesting could we grab coffee just so that I can learn a little bit more because there's only so much I can do with reading online like I'd love to have a conversation with someone about it for those kind of things like I'm more than happy happy to do that and I think the other thing too there are some people that are okay with being called out and they don't feel like it's an attack on them they're actually willing to let that be a learning moment and I've had those experiences at Kellogg and like those are the most rewarding knowing that like I'm going out on a limb like being like I think what you did was inappropriate but their receptiveness and willingness to actually understand why from my perspective I felt a certain way about it makes me really hopeful for more chances like that and I think I've like made my peace with it I think I've had a good personal experience yes there have been parts of it where I'm like this is pretty childish or like this isn't what I expected from a business school environment but the reality of it is there have been enough positives for me that I still like I'm walking away being like I really enjoyed my experience at Kellogg and by having these kind of conversations and meeting people like you guys, I know that it was worth it because there are people willing to open up this space and talk about these difficult situations. No, guys, right. we really want to thank you for your time. This has been amazing. Thanks, Nina, Nina, Nina. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. <laughs>